Chris Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Training camp is upon us. Last week, I did a fun Q&A with Mrs. Nolan because I knew it was going to be the last time. We would talk before training camp opened, and it's here. And the narratives are already coming fast and furious. You can't escape them. Every day is a new storyline, and so we're going to talk about them. But instead of just recapping all of the data you've heard a million times, where I am just telling you the same things that were observed by everyone who was at camp over the last couple of days, we're going to frame it a little differently. We're going to talk about the what's. But if you've been following this show at all for any meaningful, statistically significant period of time, you will know that how and why are more important interrogatives than what. So we're going to talk about the what's, the things that were observed, the data that we collected. And then we're going to take each what and take it out into all of the different whys. Because as we know, training camp can lie to you. Training camp can lie to you a lot. If you go back and look at the 2021 and the 2020 and the 2019 and the 2018 and so on and so forth, as far back as social media will allow you to go, you look at the takes from those years. And you will see some doozies. Everyone seems to think that the draft is the time when you end up with the coldest possible takes. Nope. It's training camp. For those of you who watch and or listen to the other show that I do for Buffalo Rumblings, Food for Thought, which is live on YouTube at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays with Nate Geary from WGR, who is an old friend of mine. You will know that he and I made a bet last year right around training camp time. And the bet that we made was that Matt Breida would be active for more games than the combination of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. So Devin Singletary and Zach Moss had to be active together for me to get a point. And Matt Breida had to be active without one of the other two being active in order for him to get a point. So Matt Breida being a healthy scratch equals I get a point. Either Devin Singletary or Zach Moss being a healthy scratch, Nate gets a point. As you all know, I won that bet. And Nate owes me some lobster because of that. So we're going to try and find a way for me to collect on that bet at some point. But the point is that Training camp can do weird things to your mind. Now, that doesn't mean that nothing you see in training camp matters. It means it's really, really hard to know how to connect the what's to the why's. 
because expectations are set in training camp. Not necessarily for the team as a whole, because those expectations start to percolate usually after the draft. After the draft, you're like, wow, this is a really good team. You start to look at the entire roster. You go, man, this is a really good team. What can they accomplish? You look at the schedule and you go, okay, all right, all right, stuff is happening now. But when it comes to individual players, you kind of set your expectations for them during training camp because the buzz starts to get to you. You're excited about football. You become emotionally compromised and you are now susceptible to the information that's coming at you having maybe more of a hold on you than perhaps it should. You don't want to overreact, but at the same time, you want to recognize that narratives can change quickly in training camp. So let's talk a little bit about some of the what's. Some of the things that have been observed by people who are following Buffalo Bills camp. People like Joe Biscaglia, Matt Perino, Sal Capaccio, Dan Fates, people who are credentialed members of the media along with observers who were there for the open public practices who are not that, like the guys from Cover One. Some of the observations that have been made are interesting, and they're what's, and we're going to take them out to all of their possible whys. Let's start with Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie has taken nearly all of the first-team slot receiver reps. But we also know that Jamison Crowder has been held out the last couple days with general soreness. You can't see me. I'm doing a salute, General Soreness. If you're a fan of the TV show How I Met Your Mother, you will get that joke. And if you are not, then you will wonder what it is that is happening to my brain in the absence of Mrs. Nolan. But we know that Isaiah McKenzie has started ahead And we know that Isaiah McKenzie has gotten essentially all the reps there. So what does it mean? Well, the first thing it could mean is that he was going to get the first reps anyway because he's not new. He's the veteran. And they're going to ease Jamison Crowder into it. That's the first thing it could mean. It could mean that this was going to happen regardless. The other thing it could mean is that Isaiah McKenzie is going to be a meaningful part of the offense for the Buffalo Bills in 2022. Or it could mean that this is a complete departure from plan and Jamison Crowder was going to get the first reps, but now is hurt. When will we know the answer to this? All three of those things could be possible outcomes. They could be possible whys that connect to the what. So what are we going to know? So I'm keeping my eye on what happens after Jamison Crowder has been healthy for a statistically significant amount of time. Then we will know the answer. But until then, it could be any of those potential things. This is Schrodinger's observations. That's what it is. Erwin Schrodinger was a physicist who opined that if you had a cat in a box with a flask of poison and the poison was released... You don't know at any given moment if that cat in the box is alive or dead. You don't know the moment the cat dies. So until you open the box, the cat can be viewed to be simultaneously both alive and dead. It is not until you open the box that you will truly know what the reality is. When you open the box, the cat is now either alive or dead. 
But if the box is closed, you can view the cat as being alive and dead simultaneously because you don't know which reality is actually true. It's this way with Isaiah McKenzie and Jameson Crowder for me personally, because I don't know which one of those things is true. I know you've gotten nine minutes into a podcast and Bruce is saying, I don't know, but that's the truth. I had somebody tell me one time on social media, they kind of tried to pin me down to a prediction. And I said, I'm not going to make a prediction. And he goes, well, predictions are the fun of punditry. To who? To you? Do you enjoy me making predictions so that you can dunk all over me? No, thank you. I will do it when I'm daggone ready. And nobody is going to rush me. And for situations like this, I'm not ready to talk about whether or not Isaiah McKenzie is actually going to be the starting wide receiver in the slot for the Buffalo Bills. Once I have statistically significant sample size of Jamison Crowder being healthy, then I'll have an opinion on it. Until then, I just, I just don't know. Likewise, you have players who are coming off injury, like Spencer Brown behind David Questenberry. Is Spencer Brown going to be the starting right tackle for this team? You would think so. Because it's an easier projection to make with Spencer Brown than it is with Isaiah McKenzie. Why? Because he was the starting right tackle last year. So it's easier to make a prediction that he will be and is just coming off injury rather than anything meaningful when it comes to David Questenberry. Because we know he's behind. The Bills have talked about Spencer Brown being behind. So they're not the same situations. Both of them are coming off injury. Crowder and Spencer Brown. But in one case, I'm a lot more confident saying Spencer Brown's going to be the right tackle for this team moving forward than I am with Isaiah McKenzie. Why? Because Spencer Brown was the guy last year. How about Khalil Shakir? Let's talk about Khalil Shakir. He's been showing out recently. Those of you who followed this podcast before, during, and after the NFL draft will know that I was a big Khalil Shakir guy. Huge Huge fan. Joe Marino and I both would have been comfortable with him as the pick in the third round. And I was a big fan of Khalil Shakir. I tweeted out before the draft that sometimes I'm having a bad day and I will just go turn on Khalil Shakir film. There's dogs barking in the background right now. I left that in just in case Mrs. Nolan is listening to the show. She can listen to the voices of her dogs on the podcast. So I did not edit out those barkings of the dogs for exactly that reason. In the event that Mrs. Nolan was listening to this while she's away, she can hear the voices of her dogs. But I was a Khalil Shakir fan. So nobody's shocked by this if you were a Khalil Shakir fan ahead of time. But let's talk about it again. What does it mean? If he's showing out for a meaningful amount of time, and he doesn't get an opportunity to run with the ones, then that's connected to our discussion about Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. Those two things are connected. If Khalil Shakir is showing out, showing out, showing out, showing out, and not playing with the ones, that probably says more about Isaiah McKenzie than it does about Khalil Shakir. So some of these observations are bleeding into each other. And I think that matters. Here's a great example of observations bleeding into other observations. James Cook has appeared to have pretty much the role that I thought he was going to thus far in training camp. 
he's been primarily a receiving back. Devin Singletary has been unquestionably the first man through. So with James Cook, what I thought I was going to see is lining up with what I am seeing. What I thought he was going to be for this team, a James White, a J.D. McKissick, at least year one, has been showing up in practice. Now, Ken Dorsey spoke highly of James Cook, but so far, as far as the reps go, there has been no indication that somehow James Cook is going to be the guy. Going to be absolutely the dude. He's going to be RB1 for this team. Now, that might occur later. The window is definitely open for him to do that next year when Devin Singletary may not be here. Could be the Zach Moss and James Cook show next year. Unless the Bills decide to franchise a running back, which is unlikely, or re-sign him, which is possible. We have not yet seen this regime make an extension decision on a drafted running back yet. This is the first time that is ever going to happen. And it's going to be Devin Singletary. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they view the idea that you should re-sign a running back. Because my personal belief on it is don't re-sign a running back to any meaningful amount of money. Just don't draft him in the first round. Don't re-sign him. So just ahead of time, just so you guys know, I am going to be probably completely out on re-signing Devin Singletary. And you're all going to get really mad at me if you're Devin Singletary fans because that's the way this goes. But I want to be intellectually honest. I want to tell you how I'm going to feel then so that you're not surprised when it comes up. But as far as this year goes, Devin Singletary being RB1 pretty much looks the way it's supposed to look. Again, things can change. So in this case... We talked about the whys and how they connect to the what's with other observations. With this one, it's much more narrow. Well, what could it mean? Well, it could mean that right now, James Cook is exactly what a lot of us thought that James Cook was going to be. Now, that could change moving forward, but it's very, very simple with the James Cook observation. It's a little bit less simple with the Khalil Shakir observation, and it's markedly less simple with the Isaiah McKenzie observation so you see sometimes the what connects to like three y's sometimes the what connects to like one y and so that's the way that the flow chart of my brain works when i see all this data fly in at my face fly into my brain from my twitter.com timeline these are the what's What does it mean is where we start to set expectations and expectations minus reality equals disappointment, which is why it matters, which is why going through the whys with each what matters. That's the how and why. Another what? The Kair Elam versus Stefan Diggs discussion. And this is where the weirdness comes into play when it comes to training camps and specifically one-on-one matchups. If Kair Elam came in and was dominating Stefan Diggs, you wouldn't really know how to feel. Because on one hand, you're happy that Kair Elam is doing well. On the other hand, you just gave Stefan Diggs a boatload of money. And you're like, ah, oh, he's getting close to 30. Is he, is he starting to lose it? A rookie's shutting him down. There's a weird dynamic. There is a net zero emotional reaction 
when it comes to one-on-ones in training camp. It net is net neutral because you're happy when the defense makes a play, but you're sad the offense didn't. And so when you look at the what's with Kyrie Ulam, it's he's been going back and forth with Stephon Diggs. And it's a battle all the time. Maybe Kyrie Ulam's being a little bit handsy, which we've talked about that before when it comes to Kyrie Ulam and his draft evaluation. He's competing, but he's losing. Again, that's about what we expected. So the what completely lines up with what we expected the why to be, which is, what does it mean? Well, it means Kyrie Elam's a rookie and he's taking his lumps. That does not mean that we're throwing our hands up in the air and freaking out and going, oh, we drafted a first round cornerback bust. This is about what I would expect from Kyrie Elam. Got a lot of starting experience in the SEC and that's awesome. But the what really only has one why in this case, which is he's a rookie and he's battling against one of the best receivers in football. So again, another what that has a simple why. The what's connect with why's. Ed Oliver is my last what for today. Ed Oliver has been popping every single practice. Now, the only caveat that I'm going to make to this is we don't have pads yet. It'll matter more when we have pads because line play always matter more when you have pads. But this is a different tone with Ed Oliver than we had last year. And at the end of last year, Ed Oliver was playing at a really, really high level. Folks, I cannot tell you how well Ed Oliver was playing at the end of 2022. And if that continued forward, if he's playing at that level for an entire season, this is a knock out of the park first round pick for the Buffalo Bills. This is an absolute no-brainer, give him all of the money sort of stuff. That's how well Ed Oliver was playing. So the what is Ed Oliver's playing really well. The why, the what does it mean, is... And Oliver's probably a really good player, but we knew that already. But we're going to make a caveat that the pads haven't come on yet. So these are some of the observations that have been made across the Buffalo Bills media universe thus far into training camp. We're going to keep our eye on all of them. We're going to keep our thumb on all of them. And we're going to continue to look at narrowing down the whys so that we can find out once and for all whether the cat is dead or alive. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumbles. <laughs>